Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Not, not a whole lot to say there um, on a day that really should have been a celebration for West Virginia fans everywhere with hugs going in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I apologize to our fans. Not, not good enough. That's West Virginia football coach Neil Brown speaking after a historic loss, a disappointing loss, a head-scratching loss, and quite frankly, an egregious loss. For the first time ever, Kansas comes to Morgantown and leaves with a victory, 55-42 in overtime. West Virginia now 0-2 after dropping its Big 12 opener, its home opener, and the first night game in four years at Mountaineer Field. Nick Farrell here to unpack this one with you. We're brought to you as always by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. A head-scratching night, really, sums this one up and you may have thought to yourself a moment ago if you didn't watch this game by the way 55 42 in overtime how does that happen yeah talk about head scratching west virginia ties the score at 42 to force overtime in the final minute of the fourth quarter on a cj donaldson run we go to overtime kansas gets the ball first scores a touchdown it's 49 to 42 west virginia has a chance to respond needs seven points to extend the game eight to win it what happens is JT Daniels on a third and long, he's intercepted. Kobe Bryant, that's Kobe with a C, he takes it all the way to the crib. West Virginia loses in overtime by 13, 55-42, and is still yet to find a victory in the 2022 season. This game had a whole lot of everything, except for maybe defense. West Virginia didn't play too much good defense against Kansas, and that was something Coach Brown lamented after the fact. Let's listen into part of Coach Brown's post-game press conference. Credit Kansas, they won the game. Um, two turnovers were the difference. We played well enough to win on offense. Defense, we couldn't get off the field. You know, I think we got off the field twice all night, first series of the game, and then the last series of regulation. Um, you know, the uh, – I didn't see the interception in overtime. Is on the far end of the field. He probably missed it inside. Um, thought they ran into to Reese on the punt return, but they didn't call it. Um, and, and I didn't see. I didn't get. I didn't have eyes on the uh, on the uh, rough and the passer call that they. So I can't. I, I really can't comment on that because um, the replay got cut off. So, but now I'll take questions. Defensively, obviously, it was a problem all night. Yeah. The explanation is that- no, we we now we we struggled to get lined up. They they went unbalanced. Um, a ton of triple option looks. Um, you know, a bunch of different shifts, a bunch of different motions. Um, you know, we didn't get off blocks very well. Uh, we didn't tackle very well. Uh, we did some things a little bit better in the second half, um, but it was a track meet. You know, we didn't we didn't slow them down. Um, you know, early in the game, you know, we, we played really soft and that wasn't necessarily what we had called. Um, played with a lack of confidence in the secondary. Um, uh, 
Um, but no, that was that was not good enough. That's not the way we've played defense here for three years. You know, and that's you know they they did a good job schematically, but that 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 wasn't good enough. You know, we lose two games right there at the end, both games. Um, you know, one in overtime and one right at their end where you know we're we're driving to tie the game up. And so um, I get frustration, you know. So I can promise you now there's nobody more frustrated than me, you know. Not that that's going to make them feel any better. Um, but I get the I get the frustration. They showed up. I thought they were loud at the, at the appropriate times today. They they held in there through the rain. The students were, were there in big numbers early on. Um, and so it's like I, it's like I told our, our, our team is we're two games into this. You know, and neither game was a result we wanted it to be. But it's a long year. And um, we're going to get better. We're going to get better. Uh, we have to get better. There's only one way to do it. You go back to work, we'll go back to work tomorrow. But I get the frustration. I get the frustration. But I can tell you it's not going to be from lack of effort. We didn't play well enough to win the game defensively. That's that's really accurate. Okay. Um, was it because we weren't ready to play? I don't know. We were offensively. Uh, we did some, you know, pretty good things special teams wise, other than dropping the dropping the punt. Um, but we didn't play defense well enough, and so we've got to assume that we weren't ready to play on that side of the ball. We didn't tackle. That's two weeks in a row that we did not tackle well enough. Um, now I knew coming in the game we we're going to have some issues with them, you know. So like, um, not didn't think that they'd punt the ball you know, twice or whatever they did, and we'd only get off the field. That, that's not what I thought, but I knew we were going to have some issues um, because the quarterback's a good player. He's a really good player, and they put some stress on you um, how they how they go about attacking you. So I knew we were going to have some issues, but I thought we would win enough battles up front that we could get them in some second and third and longs, and we never did. We, we Very few second and third longs all night. I think in this league you're going to have a bunch of close games. With the schedule we play, you're going to have a bunch of close games. Um Without looking back and, and having them all in front of me, Mike, I would tell you the turnovers. You know, I thought that was the drop punt was was a big play. Um, but common themes when you lose close games are are turnovers. And you know, even even if this was a you know a track meet, you know, we still we still would have been right in. You know, we still would have won the game if we don't turn the ball over. You know, we got to stop on defense. Got to finally got them to punt. And and we had a chance to go really kind of grab control of the game, and then they take the lead. Um, and so, without looking at all of them, you know, if I was, you know, just going off, you know, memory, I would say turnovers. But there's been a lot, there's been a lot of close ones. So that's head coach Neil Brown speaking after West Virginia's 55-42 loss to Kansas in overtime. Just part of his press conference, if you want to hear his full remarks, head to goldenbluenation.com. That's where you can also hear postgame pressers with quarterback JT Daniels and wide receiver Bryce Ford Wheaton. do want to point out just one quick thing. Coach Brown, I believe, alluded to Kansas having only two punts on the night multiple times. Well, the Jayhawks did punt three times, which means the West Virginia defense was successful on three occasions, including the very first Kansas possession of the game, which resulted in a punt. The Jayhawks also punted twice in the second half, but one of those punts was muffed by the return man, Reese Smith. The Jayhawks recovered, and three minutes later, they scored a touchdown. So 
that's noteworthy, of course. And then, and then Kansas also punted on its final possession of regulation, which resulted in a West Virginia score or led to a West Virginia score. Mountaineers trailed by double digits in the fourth quarter in this one, needed a field goal, a touchdown, and then a two-point conversion in the final few minutes of the fourth quarter to even get to the point where the game would go to overtime. And then, as we noted, West Virginia could not finish the deal and lost to Kansas 55-42. So it's a disappointing result at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Next up for WVU, a matchup with Towson, the only non-Power 5 team the Mountaineers will face this season. That one coming up September 17th. It's a 1 p.m. kick on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. After that, road trip to Virginia Tech could be treacherous. You never know what can happen on a Thursday night at Lane Stadium. We'll have a very similar atmosphere, you have to assume, to the one the Mountaineers played in against Pitt back on the first. And then after that, Big 12 play in full swing the rest of the way. Mountaineers will travel to Austin, Texas on October 1st before an open week, followed by a Thursday night clash with Baylor on October 13th. Now, it was not all doom and gloom throughout the state of West Virginia on September 10th, because by the way, it was Bob Huggins Day in the state of West Virginia, the head coach of the Mountaineer basketball program officially enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, an incredible day for Coach Huggins, his family, and all his former players. Ryan Decker was in Springfield, Massachusetts to cover the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony for Golden Blue Nation. If you'd like to see the head coach's speech in full, you can do so at GoldenBlueNation.com. Why don't we check in with Deck right now to get his thoughts on a memorable night for the Bear. Deck, what do you know? Well, Nick, what a day it was and what a weekend it has been here in Springfield, Massachusetts and in the great northeast of the U.S. Bob Huggins, the legendary basketball coach at WVU, one of just two coaches in NCAA men's basketball history to have won 300 or more games at two universities is now officially a Hall of Famer. Huggins, the WVU men's basketball head coach, spoke for roughly nine minutes Saturday night inside the Springfield Symphony Hall, the site of the 2022 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony. And Huggins, ever the entertainer, got plenty of laughs during his time at the podium, including when he was telling a story about not looking in the rearview mirror, which is part of his coaching philosophy that he's kept with him ever since that moment. Now, Huggins is just the third former WVU basketball player to be enshrined in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, joining Jerry West and Rod Thorne, who were on stage with him Saturday evening. West was also on the stage earlier in the evening to help celebrate the life and remember the life of the great Bill Russell, whom he battled on the court time and time again in the 60s and 70s. As for Huggins, he is now officially a Hall of Famer, and you can see the reaction to Huggins becoming a Hall of Famer from former coaching colleagues, former assistant coaches, and friends, and plenty of others on our website, goldandbluenation.com. What a great weekend for WVU basketball, and what a great weekend for the state of West Virginia. Of course, all of this happening on Bob Huggins Day in the Mountain State. Reporting from Springfield, Massachusetts, for Golden Blue Nation, I'm Ryan Decker. Okay, Deck, thanks, and great coverage throughout this Hall of Fame weekend for Coach Huggins. You can read more of Ryan Decker's reporting and hear that full enshrinement speech 
from Coach Huggins at GoldenBlueNation.com. All right, that's a wrap on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We're brought to you as always by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. We'll continue to drop these podcasts, these reaction shows after every West Virginia football game. So keep an eye out for those. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating, and of course, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more West Virginia sports coverage. I'm Nick Farrell. Talk to you next time on the Golden Blue Nation pod.